to Do Your Thing, an unapologetic celebration of every version of motherhood. I'm Tamsin Williamson, a life and mindset coach for mums, also known as the Parenthood Coach. And through this podcast, I'll be sharing some beautifully open, honest conversations with inspiring, passionate women who also happen to be mothers about how they loudly and proudly do their thing in life and motherhood in their own unique and authentic ways. Plus, I'll give you an insight into how I do my thing and what that means for me, my career and family. I hope these conversations inspire you to feel the freedom to do your thing and embrace your version of motherhood in a way that feels aligned, empowering and honours your whole self. This is your invitation to do your thing. So let's get on with the show. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Do Your Thing. So on today's episode, I am delighted to be chatting with the wonderful Sarah Dalrymple. Sarah is a sales expert and business mentor for the small business community. I, in fact, have worked with her myself. Um, And Sarah is so passionate about supporting female business owners in particular to make more money with more ease and consistency through confident sleaze-free promotion. Today's conversation is packed with so much juicy insight about how Sarah does her thing in life, business and parenthood. We talk about the importance of breaking free from external judgment when making our own life choices, the power of role modelling when it comes to raising our kids and shaping future generations, and why parenthood and entrepreneurship have the potential to be such a kick-ass dream team. I hope you love today's episode as much as I loved recording it. Okay, so welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Very cozy. How are you doing today? I'm I'm very well. It's a lovely sunny autumn day here in London. So yeah, very much enjoying the bright light on my face. Very shiny. <laughs> I, I hear you. I'm looking out onto sunshine and golden golden Such leaves, which is very nice. <laughs> So I want to just dive straight in, um, because as you know, this podcast is called Do Your Thing, and it is a space to unapologetically celebrate every version of motherhood. And I know that you are a big celebrator of all the things that you stand for and represent and really believe very passionately about in your life. So to start with, I would just love to hear what your interpretation is of doing your thing in your world how do you do it oh my goodness it has yeah I mean there's so much to say I would say my version is about finding a way to do the work that you want to do and live the life that you want to live and raise your kids the way you want to raise them and for there to be time for all of those things as well as some rest, of course, too. So yeah, it's all about, I mean, that we'll probably get into talking about this, but it's all about making sure there's time for all of those things and that one isn't like overly dominating, I would say. Mm. And would you say you've always 
held that outlook oh life? no <laughs> uh, so my children are 10 and 7 now so I'm a decade into this game <laughs> and when I think back to how my life looked when I started as a well when I became a mother uh, I worked uh, really long hours in the city I there was absolutely no flexibility at all really I think the maximum flexibility I was allowed was four days a week instead of five but still the same you know 10 to 12 hour days so no it wasn't flexible at all and it very much involved having having to have a nanny to take my kids like all day put them to bed and I might just make it back to see them at the end of the day that was about my lot so no definitely not uh it was a journey so what changed <laughs> how did you escape what yeah how uh, did you escape being in that place where it felt very much almost by the sounds of it being trapped in the system but how how did you kind of break oh, free yeah. from that well I mean it was it was definitely I mean when I think back to it now I I think I kind of already knew like even before even before I became pregnant I think I already kind of knew it wasn't going to fly for me I'd seen other people in my team I mean my team was like 95% men actually but I'd seen their wives have kids and then either give up work or have to give up work or they were the ones at home while you know the men were just there at work. and I just remember thinking like, this is just not going to work for me at all so I think there was definitely already something stirring up within me although I didn't really have the language for it at the time I think I was already thinking how I yeah, I remember all throughout my pregnancy just thinking, yeah, I really don't know how this is going to go when I come back. So I'll concentrate on my mat leave and then we'll just see. We'll see what happens. And actually what happened on my mat leave was I retrained as a photographer, um, which was, you know, a really lovely thing to be able to do because my baby was, he slept. He, he was a baby that slept the first time round. I didn't lucky, have lucky, lucky old you. No, <laughs> I really didn't have that the second time round. I really, you know, I made, you know, there's, I've had the whole spectrum. Uh, but the first time <laughs> round, I, I was afforded the luxury of having a nap times where I could genuinely concentrate on something else, which looking back was a huge gift because if my children had been born the other way around, there's just absolutely no way that I could have done that. But it meant that I was able to go back back to work, in inverted commas, with a plan B. I'd already started booking uh, weddings. I already had done loads of practice shoots. I felt really confident about it. And I thought, well, here is something that I can do if I want to at any time pull the plug on this, mm. which is ultimately what happened quite quickly thereafter. Mm. And what a big shift from like, working in the city to becoming a photographer it was it was a much it felt like a much bigger shift for everybody else around me than it did for me I really remember just thinking for me I've worked in sales for 10 years I don't the things that I've been selling are all right I suppose like for in in, you know financial products I mean we can get we can get to a certain excitement level around those. And then that's kind of it. We're capping out. So whereas I was like, if I'm selling something that I genuinely love, like taking people's wedding photos on such a magical, joyful day, um, please also remember that like banking, we'd gone through the financial crisis. It was a big deal. I worked for a bank that was right in the heart of that. I was like, this is not joy. This is not a joyful place to be. This is not a joyful place to work. 
a wedding day seems like the most joyful place on earth. Uh, it is the most joyful place on earth. And I am very happy to sell my services there versus mm-hmm. here. So for me, I was like, this makes perfect sense. I know how to sell and I'm really excited to sell something. I'm Imagine how good I'm going to be at selling something I'm genuinely excited about versus something that, you know, I know how to sell, sure. But like I say, excitement levels seriously, you know, capped. Uh, but what was really interesting, and I think this is where, like, I realised you know exactly the the magnitude of how we are all brought up or how we were brought up everyone around me was like you're crazy you can't do that you can't give up your you know really good I've got my bunny ears out you can't give up your stable safe reliable career you know successful career that you've worked so hard to get to go and you know piddle about with a camera was the general kind of vibe and I really found that offensive I really found that so offensive and I was really surprised that that was not just the reaction in certain parts of my family but very much also in my fr- like in my friendship group as well like people just did not get it they just did not get it and actually some of my best friends were like yeah but you're not going to do that forever are you you're not going to do I mean that this is just a stopgap right <laughs> And what is that about? Let's talk about that. Hmm. Let's talk about this belief, this judgment, this like outlook that is going on there that somehow makes choices like that. Following joy, following pleasure, following a fulfilling life. A following a desire to spend time with your kids rather than maybe give them a quick kiss on the head by the time you're like rushing. While they're still asleep, while I'm rushing to my desk for half seven. Exactly. What's um, that about? It's about, think? I think it's about a total lack of role modelling, like for us as a generation. Like if you think about, never mind the fact that, you know, being creative is really joyful and that is really a lovely thing. Like photography was barely even taught at my school. I remember, I think there was an option for um maybe a photography a level you could do but maybe like two people did it I think I don't I definitely don't remember it being encouraged I think it was like yeah I mean it's we're going to make it available because at least two people's parents have said that we should but we're not going to be like peddling people there so anyway so yeah so photography the creative the arts uh definitely not a big thing on our curriculums particularly and also if you think about the kind of well I'm 42 now so like 90s feminism was very much about like you can go and get all those jobs that the men can have and you should like get in those places be the doctors be the lawyers be the bankers be the accountants nobody was really thinking actually if you do go there like there isn't really going to be any like we're not going to be making any uh sort of accommodate like we're not going to accommodate the moment where you decide you want to have kids or like we're not going to be flexing up that work-life balance that's not going to be happening so I think we were just all kind of subliminally or or actually just out and out taught that the pathway to success meant like clutching on as hard as possible to sort of the coattails of men like all the generations prior and I don't think anyone really ever thought that having your own business is a viable alternative to that then I mean, obviously, we know different now. But then if you think about people that were starting businesses, it was like, I mean, I can think of Richard Branson. That's about it. I'm literally thinking Richard Branson and the, and Dyson, James Dyson, like who I don't know.
popped into my head as well as you said that from when I'm younger because he was he was literally everywhere wasn't he was like doing the you know the planes and the music and all the things just there wasn't really any role modeling and like the the woman who was you know setting up her own thing and making it a really you know work I mean I'm not saying women didn't do that in the 80s they definitely did do it but it wasn't particularly visible in my world and it certainly wasn't a viable alternative to the reliable career that you know I could argue about that being at all like it's not really that reliable especially not when you're in the middle of a financial crisis anyway so like I'm just gonna hold up a small sign for like is it that reliable though like really people are getting made redundant left right and center are we not better off like navigating our own way yeah so I think it was it's probably a yeah a total and utter lack of normalizing of this being an option role modeling and understanding Mm. that feels like there has been a shift in that space since maybe let's say 10 years ago I think so because I really remember googling like in that year maybe when I just came back no it must have been before I went on mat leave because it was before I retrained I really remember googling googling this was before social media had really become you know what it is now I just remember being like I'm 30 I need I need to like do a career change help basically like Google what have you got for me I need some ideas and there just wasn't really the access to educate like to educate yourself around how you can take that next step it was still very in its infancy like you might have stumbled across a career coach who might have been able to like give you some direction about an alternative career in a similar thing but I definitely it's come on so so much and I'm so glad because Mm. now we really do have access to all of that at our fingertips which is just so fantastic and amazing for anyone that's doing it and and as you were figuring that out like you took that initial leap you went into photography you went against all the naysayers and you were like screw this I'm doing it anyway did you do it alone or like how how did you navigate your way through and make it work yeah I think I think I was really lucky to have found I'd got married um, maybe a year before and I loved my wedding photographer he was such a nice guy and I was so lucky that he actually was involved in teaching like a year-long program for people who wanted to become photographers from zero basically like with a very like business mindset there was a whole group of these wedding photographers who would teach you absolutely everything you needed to know so I felt very looked after supported taken care of every I think every like two months we'd go and have like a two-day like classroom workshop situation but the rest of the time he was my mentor and he would set me homework and he'd be like go and do five shoots send them to me I will critique them or you come to my weddings and you can be the second shooter so it was really um yeah it was really nurturing and it felt perfect for what I needed and I'll be completely honest, it was in that moment where everyone was like making cakes. Do you remember there was that whole time around like Hummingbird Bakery when it was like, oh, everyone could be a cake maker now, which, you know, I'm not saying that at all scathingly. I, I genuinely, that could have been me. I, I think I was so ready to do anything like that. It didn't really matter. I was just like, yeah, I like making cakes. Yeah, I like taking pictures. All of this stuff is like stuff that I can tangibly hold on to as something that I like more than interest rate derivatives. And I reckon I could be all right at either at any of that stuff. So I don't I wasn't so wedded to what it was going to be. It was more like I just need out of here. I need out of here and I need to do something where I can learn, you know, about the basics of this craft, whatever it is. And then all the business stuff I've got down. 
I love that. And and I can hear in sort of the way that you're talking, and of course I know you, like your sense of ambition and drive to succeed, like that's something very inherent in you. It is. Yeah. And I do think like part of that is you know, the way you're brought up. Definitely like for all the, I'm not, yeah, for all the slight criticisms I'm giving to the 80s and 90s around like, oh, cheers, cheers for that really remarkable like roadmap to absolutely nowhere to hitting 30 and being like, well, this isn't going to work. And actually, like, fun side note, so many of my friends have changed careers. I don't know about yours, but like, I might have been one of the earlier ones, but since then, like, I can't think of many of my friends who've stayed in their OG, like, career sort of trajectory. Um, but also, like, my dad's an immigrant, like, you know, that whole thing about, like, people get, you know, the way you get brought up, it's, like, not really an option not not to succeed or be successful. And I don't, I think that's really what it comes down to, like, back to your point about what does it mean to do your thing. I think most people want to work. They want to work and they want to, they want to be able to do it in a way that works for them and they don't want to have to choose it's like do not make me choose like that is a ridiculous thing that you know the patriarchy has not accommodated at all in terms of progressing the workforce or the labor force outside of just men going to work and women staying at home we do need to get with the program which is like women are more than capable of doing both of these things but you need to abend and accommodate to let that happen and this is why it's so interesting being our age because we really are the first generation of people that are genuinely like doing this whole ballot or forging a path for hopefully like future generations to not have all of this hoo-ha every time they want to you know have a baby a hundred percent and and you know what what you're describing it's so similar to what happened to me and actually for so many people like I think becoming a, a mother particularly let's talk about being a woman and being a mother like you know, this massive conflict arises around being ambitious and having professional aspirations and feeling that you can do a good job at being a mother. And there is still like there are loads of people out there like you, like me, who have found our way to bring the two together. And actually, you know, I would say in a way, becoming a parent, it galvanized my ambition even more than maybe it was before it's really kind of sparked something in me that has set my sense of ambition on fire but I know from the women that I work with and I'm sure you know many that come to you as well that there is this feeling about the two of them not being able to coexist this feeling where it's like you know, it's impossible. You've got to make a choice. You've got to pick one. You've got to pick the other. You know, how do we bring the two together without feeling that you're failing as a a business owner or as a professional or not giving enough to your kids? Yeah, it's a real, uh, it also brings up all the people pleasing, all the perfection, like all the stuff that is sort of bubbling under. So when you use, I love the way you use that word galvanized, because I think like what it is often for lots of us for the first time, it's like this giant unveiling of like a massive injustice that maybe we just hadn't quite had firsthand experience. I mean, some people will have done, but like for lots of people, it's only when you're like, hang on, I need to drop my kid off at nursery. And that needs to happen after you're saying I need to be at work because it's not open. So like, what? where's the bending here? And then you're just told, no, you have to figure it out. 
you suddenly just get this inner rage where you're like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, are you kidding me? Like what? No one, like no man is coming into the office with that level of ball of anxiety about like, am I going to make it home before the nursery closes? If the central line is in one, in any way delayed, I'm not going to act like they're just skipping it. I'm not, you know, we all have challenge. I'm not making this like purely a gender issue, but I am saying like, there's no way my husband was going oh, I think I need to change careers now because this one isn't working now that we've got a baby. <laughs> That's just so ridiculous. It's just so like, he's just chugging on. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. I, I mean, good for us that I am resourceful and I can actually like find an alternative path. But interesting to notice that, yeah, I think not. it's not an equal like man, you know, female, male split around the energy that goes into trying to figure out how you're going to make this work. We want to be allowed to work and we want to also like, yeah, not not leave our babies with a perfect stranger at 12 hours plus a day. Like there's got to be some halfway house and somewhere, you know, some places there is. I'm not saying everywhere is as unflexible as where I was working in that moment. Um, You know, and things have got marginally better, I think, in a post pandemic world in some places. But I definitely know that it's, you know, it's still a huge problem. So I think whether it's ambition or feeling like that rage or just feeling galvanized to want more, a better, a better version of how your parenting journey is going to go, um, it's often the first time you've really realized how completely skewed the system is not to helping you thrive as, you know, a working parent if you are female. Yeah, d- definitely. And of course, you have boys, right? You have yeah. sons. I have I have one of each. And I so I in a way in terms of like my aspirations for what I want to communicate to my children, they're quite different. The things that I want to kind of model and the messages that I want to try and kind of embed in my son and my daughter, they feel quite different at this Ooh, stage. That's so interesting. As a as a mother of boys and having experienced the impact of this very male dominated world and, you know, feeling all the rage around society who isn't giving enough credibility and a platform to women around wanting to make money or wanting around wanting to kind of have it all. And I say that in kind of bunny ears myself at this stage. What have your experiences and your outlook? What difference has that made in terms of the way that you bring up your sons? Um, Yeah, that's a really good question, because I'm really I'm now questioning whether I. How much of what I'm doing, I'm doing because it's what I want to do versus what I would be doing. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with. I think I'd be doing this whether I had girls, boys or anything other. I think this is but it is also very important to me that they know that both, you know, that everything is equal at home regarding pickups, drop offs, homework, going to work, all the things like I just cannot live in a house where there's anything other being modelled because I'm just thinking to myself, First of all, I'm thinking to myself, when my own mother was having us, and we're girls, but irrelevant here, because when she was having us, she was earning more than my dad. She wasn't able to put her name on the mortgage without it's without his, you know, financial, you know, numbers being involved. And the whole thing didn't make any sense because it was like, yeah, but I'm the one that's earning more of the money. So why have we got to make it? I don't know, like the whole thing, that is the reality of what was going on in the generation prior. 
So in our generation, I'm thinking, well, they need to know that everybody's contributing here because their next generation, by the time they've grown up, like there's just not going to be, there's going to be even less capacity for a man to skip out the door going, bye, I'll see you at dinner time, have the dinner on for me. I mean, not not that I'm saying that's what happens here, but (laughs) there is definitely a transience going on in our generation where we've been sometimes seen like my husband was brought up in a house where there was one parent at home that wasn't the case in my house and it isn't the case it, it isn't something I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but I'm saying we've got to have choices so they've got to know it's very much a team effort and that's my number one priority regardless of what the individual circumstances look like it's never going to be a case of well I'm the man so I get to choose and then you have to kind of scurry about figuring out what's going to work for our family because that's ridiculous and and actually that outlook within your home environment i think that naturally that will have a ripple effect in terms of the outlook that then they kind of yeah. apply to other parts of life whether it is their home life whether it is within the workplace i think the conversation element is really important so like yeah maybe if one of us worked in an industry where they did have to be at their desk a lot more which is happening in my house like I'm not saying that I'm not going to bend for that, but I am saying we need to have a conversation to make sure that it works for everybody here, not just, you know, that's just how it is so tough. So, yeah, they definitely know that there's always a conversation to be had. It's never an assumption about what's going to happen. And I'm just big on conversation anyway. So, yeah, they need to know, like, yeah, you got to make joint decisions. Yeah. And understanding, yeah, why this stuff is happening, why these choices are being made. Yeah. And it's everywhere when you look at it, like even in terms of I've written a book this year and I've learned a lot about how many like male authors versus female authors there are, or even like going as far back as I'd thought of Virginia Woolf. I hadn't thought of like the Jane Austens of the world who did, you know, fun fact, didn't used to write her name on her books so died with absolutely no like no concept of how successful like her name wasn't ever on those books while she so like my point here is there's a whole load of research that says if a book has a woman's name on it it's less likely to get picked up by a man or a woman or I think that's right I need to I need to not get the thing wrong but like the point is for boys in school going into a library I think they will naturally gravitate to books that are written by men not only because there are more men that have written the books but also because there's naturally a bit of a skew around authority because the ones that have been written by women are maybe not you know they haven't always been given as much as much not as much has gone into them because they haven't had the sort of support so if you think about like raising boys you're just really getting into this whole saga where you're thinking oh my god like even when you go into the library like make sure you are looking at the books not the authors and make sure you are not cheap like subconsciously falling prey to this skew so even just the literature the stories that we're bringing into the house or the conversations that we're having like it's all and sport my boys are really into sport so there's obviously a whole conversation around sport and women athletes getting paid what they get paid or being represented in world cups or football you know football is a big all of it we're having all of it it's all going on because amazing it's amazing to think about I don't know whether you had this but when the women what when the women won the euros uh in the football 
Oh, it was such an emotion. I don't, I'm not a football person, like really. I'm sort of by proxy at this point, in, surrounded by football, but I'm not <laughs> really a football person. But when I watched that, I was like, maybe I would have been a football person if actually when we were young, there was this kind of football going on on TV because it's actually, I'm finding it easier to watch it. Like there's more, you know, it seems like a whole different kind of game. And when you think back to the way football in the 90s, you know, if I ever went to, you know, the the pub to watch a big game, it was so like, and I don't know, like I just didn't really connect into any of that scene. Whereas actually, if you just think now, like, my boys are watching football, whether it's women or men or any of it. They're loving it. And that just feels like huge progress because we just didn't have that. We just did not have that. So I'm here for it. And it, and all of that, it will totally contribute towards the professional world, I think, and the way in which our boys show mm-hmm. up in show up in that world yeah. and see women, even if it is so finely and subtly nuanced. Actually, I think that it will have an impact. And I think that's a lot to be grateful for right now. Amidst all the other all the other stuff that is going on, all the debates, all the yeah, you know, the 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 fury about so much going on right now. But actually, I think it feels like we are on the right path. Yeah. Slowly, slowly, we're definitely moving in the right direction. There's no getting right, you know, that's a great, great thing to celebrate. Absolutely. Mm, Absolutely. Um so kind of going back to mm. you and your sort of story, if you like, mm. we've obviously talked about you leaving the corporate world. We've talked about you starting your photography business, but that's not what, well, you do, you do have a photography business in part now, mm. but you do something quite different as well alongside that, right? Yeah. So the majority, the majority of my work now is helping other business owners vast majority being women business owners to actually take that step essentially making sure they're making money is the point here because I'm very invested I've noticed and this was a gradual transition sort of back I suppose to sales but I was doing a lot of headshot photography for a while and every headshot session had turned into a kind of business coaching session where it was like you know how's your business going and tell me all the things and how's it going and isn't it great and da 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 people would just be like well yeah I mean it's great having this business but actually like not not so great like actually on the client's front or I'm finding it kind of hard or and to me that's that's always been the bit the not the easy bit I'm not going to like reduce it down to like oh it's just easy but that's the bit that I really know and that's the bit that I really like come alive about um so yeah so then the pandemic happened and that was a really fantastic invitation to just go all in on that side of things and it really feels like the right place for me to be because I think it's amazing that there's more business owners more women business owners than ever I think it's amazing that you know the creative business economy contributes as much as it does but I think well and I think this number could be huge much huger than it already is and we want more women staying in business forever, not just for like. To be that high if we just get these fundamentals down. So it's plugging that gap. It's filling in that missing piece of like, these are the things to focus on um, and get right from the get go so that you can grow a business that is going to pay your bills no matter what. Mm. 
And you walk that walk so amazingly yourself, which also totally, you know, in terms of what you've got to offer these women. What proportion do you think of the people that come to work with you have families as well, have kids? I'd say it's more than half, but not significantly more than half. So for me, like there's a huge opportunity for women who have had children to work in a way that works for them by starting their own businesses. And of course, I'm highly motivated to make sure that that's happening without a burnout element, not interested in burnout at all. And I think a lot of the time when this stuff goes unchecked, it can lead to burnout. So it's really important to me that if I am working, well, if I'm working with anyone, but especially parents, we need to make sure that time is really boundaried and protected and effective and efficient and all that good stuff so that we are not creating another burnout zone, which, you know, lots of us have tried to escape from in corporate. So we don't want to do that again in our own businesses. Um, but, But regardless of whether you're, you know, caring for children or caring for parents or caring for yourself, um, I still think we've got a huge opportunity with the small business kind of economy, community to rework how work, you know, gets to look. Because, you know, even just as we keep talking about in our, you know, childhoods, if you wanted to be successful, it was a very traditional linear path up that ladder and stay where you are and keep, you know, working really hard and trying to impress all those big wigs and doing as you're told and like all that all stuff. Um, and then if you're lucky, if you're just really, really lucky, you really might get there in the end. We've really come a full like 180 on that now into you can change your job as many times as you want. It's totally fine. And guess what? You get to bring your skill set with you if you want to, but you don't have to if you don't want to. There are, you know, we're all multifaceted. We've got lots of things we can be doing. So I think, you know, it's really getting your head round that old ladder that you never really wanted to be on anyway is not the only way to actually be really successful and have plenty of time at home doing the things you want to be doing and it's so it's there's so much to shake off isn't there there's so much to release ourselves on from that mindset piece around like even you saying you know you get to reinvent yourself as many times as you want you get to keep inventing stuff and changing and you don't have to be stuck doing this forever like for me now that feels like the most exciting um opportunity like for me the possibility that is in that and the kind of control that I now feel over my future compared to kind of the really bleak path of sameness that was stretching ahead of me like I ever thought I don't really know what I want to do or like god that panicky feeling of like having to pick your GCSE subjects not really knowing like is this the right one or like the fear of god was put into you if you know it's like well if you don't take this seriously and you don't make the right choices that's it you know you won't be able to go back it will be too late you won't be able to do it and it's just I just really felt that like absolute terror around like I just don't know I just don't know yet that went all the way through I still don't know I still don't know <laughs> what I, and I don't want to know it's like let me just get on with what I want to do right now but yeah it's such a 180 and it's there's so much with it around like people's judgment and fear of judgment around like oh you know I really remember people saying oh well you've not been doing this you know not to me personally but like the idea that if you moved on too quickly from your job to change to a different job that would somehow be bad or frowned upon because people would be like well can you not hack it can you not apply yourself for long enough is that why you've only been here for two years um really bizarre like really bizarre stuff when you get into it like 
yeah, especially when the underlying reality for so many people is they're not that happy in their jobs. They don't love what they're doing. They haven't like landed on the perfect thing first time. And yet they're clinging onto it as a sort of, you know, a safety blanket. And 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 bringing this back to being a parent, you know, yeah. there are so many different phases that we go through as parents, you know, as our kids are growing and changing and becoming more independent, like the same happens for us as well. So knowing that actually we get to evolve alongside our children, we get to take up space as more space becomes available in our lives around that. I think that for me is what makes entrepreneurship and being a parent actually a really amazing team if you like yes. it, it it brings them together in, in this way where actually there's so much in it for everybody that's involved oh my goodness yeah especially if you're a woman because if you have like had a first sort of iteration of your career in a kind of corporate setting that corporate setting wasn't made with you in mind it we know this it was made in a for a completely different gender and we've just been trying to squidge ourselves into sort of form because that's how it's always been done and so you've got to be there at this time and you've got to be there for these meetings just because and you can't possibly go to the doctors if you need to or rest if you need to or any of these things this is not happening like even on a like physiological level like men are like very sort of you know hormonally different so it doesn't make any sense that like the working day would just be exactly the same every single day no matter what's going on for the rest of your life we're just doing nine to five, which we're not even doing nine to five anymore, are we? In those settings, <laughs> we're doing like all sorts on top. This doesn't make any sense. So I think actually for women who actually often for the first time get an opportunity to create the working day, how they want it to look. And obviously, we, you know, you're talking about with children in mind too, super important. But even just as a woman, it's like maybe I am just a bit tired for these few days and maybe I'm not going to do client facing things. And maybe that just makes an awful lot more sense because then I am going to have more energy or I'm going to plan my meetings in for these two weeks of the month or whatever. Um, There's just so much opportunity to create and innovate and evolve the working kind of model in a way that works for you and your family. Yeah couldn't agree with you more so thank you for joining me today and and I kind of want to like I mean you've given us so much wisdom through this conversation anyway but I appreciate it's also a lot to digest and people might be like okay like this outlook is amazing I know that I want to make more money I know that I want to you know, own my ambition and really kind of get out there and find my place more Mm. in this world. If people were going to be sort of taking that first step forward to trying to shake off the kind of conditioning that might be holding them, holding them back, what for you would be your kind of top piece of advice or the best first step to start dipping their toe mm. into a fresher outlook, a more open outlook that might help them to feel that little bit braver or just to kind of start trying something out that might help them connect with this outlook a little bit more. 
It's such a good question. And I think the f- I mean, I'm a mezzo girl. I can't, I can't possibly just pick one of anything. So I'm going to try and keep it to one, but there might be two. Let's just see. Um, knock, knock yourself out. The first thing I would say is to actually believe you can, like believe it's possible, which doesn't always, it doesn't always come that naturally for reasons we've talked about. If you haven't been shown that it's possible, if you haven't been happened to have grown up around people that have been doing things like this in this way. So then I would say to find and gravitate towards the people who are doing it, that you can see that are doing it, that, you know, that you resonate with vibe with that seem like your kind of people because actually like the first step to any of this is showing yourself evidence that it is absolutely possible for everybody to grow a business doing something that they love that works for them that is profitable like so that that would be probably step two get yourself around some people who are doing it so because you, that will make your life so much easier than struggling along trying to do it on your own especially against the backdrop of zero role modeling or normalizing of this happening like this kind of is brand new so we got to be around the people that are making it you know doing it making it happen and doing it you know in a way that will make it easier for you the third thing I want to say to this is to actually really take a minute either with support or on your own to think about what you really love to do because I know that for me that was not a question that anyone ever asked me (laughs) when I was all the way through like the decision making process of like what to do it was all about securing a you know a a stable job or whatever or picking subjects that would get you there or that wouldn't close doors to things that you might want to do later and actually like for lots of women in their 30s even 40s they've never really thought about what they love and actually like when in this new sort of world where you can have your own business you don't have to look at your cv and go okay well i've got some experience in this so i guess i'll base it on this it really gets to be so much easier than that it gets to be like i really love doing these things these are things I want it right in the heart of my business so start there amazing and I couldn't agree with you more I think you know part of that old programming it is so you know there is so much about doing what we can do and we forget about what we really want to do and yeah connecting with that kind of passion point that is the place that then fuels the ambition and the belief as well. So much comes from that energy that you get from just doing something that you love. And if you don't know what you love yet, like what a fun old experience and adventure to go on to really connect with that stuff. Because yeah, passion, it leads to so much amazing And we've done hard. We've done hard. We've been doing hard. We're all doing hard. We know hard. But how about we get to know ease? Yes. And talking of ease, (laughs) you've written a book, which you kind of dropped in earlier. But, well, you tell us what it's it's about. It wasn't easy. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not easy. But now it's done. I can feel happy and proud. And it's called More Sales, Please. So Mm. it is a sort of 10 step guide for anyone who's either got a small business thinking about having a small business wants more sales in their business it's a 10-step guide to this is important it definitely is and I have worked with Sarah she is an absolute legend when it comes to this kind of thing. So when we talk about like looking for people and, you know, who are doing it, 
who are doing this work, who are succeeding in it, finding like that evidence to believe that it's possible. She is an awesome person to be following and being inspired by. So if what she's talked about today has resonated with you, go on over and buy her book. <laughs> go on over and follow her on Instagram. Yeah, sales with Sarah on Instagram. And you can buy more sales, please, anywhere you get your books. Can't wait to read it. I've had it on pre-order for a while now. Thank you, love. I'm so excited for it to come out now. Yes, it's going to be. Hopefully it's just, it's jargon free. It's not, you know, it's created by a small business owner for small business owners. We're not here for like the sleazy vibes. We are here for the natural, effortless, you know, steps that we can all be taking to get more sales from day one. And hopefully there will be loads of men who will be going into bookshops in the future and picking it up. I should hope so. I should be from marching my boys in. You better believe it. (laughs) Amazing. Well, wishing you so much luck with the book. And thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. I've really, really loved speaking with you. Thank you. It's been such an honour. I've loved, loved, loved it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Do Your Thing. If you enjoyed what you heard, it would mean the absolute world if you could take a moment or two to do one or all of the following small things, which could make a mega difference to the success of this podcast. Follow and subscribe to Do Your Thing, which means you'll never miss an episode. Rate or review the podcast or share the podcast with a friend who you think would enjoy listening to. And if you'd like to continue the conversation or explore working with me on a deeper level, you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at And remember... There's no right or wrong way to do life or parenthood. There's only your way. So get out there and do your thing unapologetically. See you next time.